Our message is based today on the reading that you heard earlier from the Gospel of Luke in the fourth chapter. Luke is quoting Jesus, who was quoting the prophet Isaiah. The first verse that Jesus reads is from Isaiah chapter 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he sits down, and as everybody's looking at him, he says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. On the basis of these words of scripture, and in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who came to bring us true freedom, my sisters and brothers in faith. About a mile off of the coast of France, there is a small island, so small that it has only one structure on it, but it's massive. It is called the Chateau d'If. In the early 1500s, it was built on that island in order to protect as you might guess, the coastline of France. Historically, that fortress never came under attack or was actually used defensively. In fact, most of the history of that chateau involves being used as a prison. It was decided fairly obviously, I guess, by those in power that it was a perfect place to incarcerate what they considered enemies of the state, both political and religious. And it was a terrible fate. In the 1800s, the Chateau d'If was considered one of the most dangerous, scariest places in all of Europe. People that were confined there were living in very crude, dismal circumstances. Some of the prisoners even were incarcerated in cellars under the castle where there was no light, little air, it was a miserable existence. The chateau was made famous by Alexander Dumas in his book, The Count of Monte Cristo. In that book, or in the movie if you've seen it, the count, one Edmund Dantes, after 14 years of being incarcerated on the island, escapes. And that simply proves that the book is fiction. 
because in the entire history of that prison, no one ever successfully escaped. Those who lived there knew what it meant to be helpless and hopeless. As we see from Isaiah 61, God's people knew what it was to be captive as well. He writes that when the Messiah comes, the Messiah will bring freedom to captives. Captivity, indeed. The people had been in slavery in Egypt. The people had been carried into exile in Babylon. Even at the time of Jesus, the people were living under the strong arm of the Roman authorities. And many individuals in the Bible experienced captivity. Just to name a few, Joseph, sold by his brothers into slavery, and then imprisoned on false charges. Daniel, again, trapped under false charges, thrown into the lion's den. Jeremiah, whose message was not particularly favorable to the king and others in the nation of Israel, was thrown into a cistern. In the New Testament, John the Baptist imprisoned by King Herod. Peter and the other disciples arrested and imprisoned by the Sanhedrin because of their preaching. St. Paul imprisoned for a couple of years in Caesarea, transported to Rome, and then again there under house arrest. God's people knew what it meant to be captive. No, it wasn't the Chateau d'If, but they certainly may have felt in many of those circumstances helpless and hopeless. In contrast, we live in the land of the free. We have rights and privileges that many people in our world do not enjoy. One of them is that we're sitting here this morning. Without any fear, without any danger, we can gather for worship. Many of our brothers and sisters in Christ don't have that freedom. And if they try to do what we're doing, they can be incarcerated, even lose their lives. We like to think that here in America, we can do whatever we want. But that's not really true either, is it? But that's not what I'm talking about now, of course nor what Isaiah was talking about, nor what Jesus was talking about. 
talking about a different kind of captivity. A captivity to much more insidious masters. Each one of us is in prison, captive. We talked about a lot of the things that hold us captive in our last series. Many of us are captive to fear, anxiety, worry. Or maybe we're in captivity to something in our past and we're living with guilt, shame, or maybe it's something ongoing, some difficulty, some problem, or some sin. Is it greed or jealousy or good old-fashioned selfishness? Each of us has that captivity, and sometimes it makes us feel helpless and hopeless. St. Paul, I think, expresses it amazingly well. In Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about his ongoing struggle with sin. In probably the best known verse of that chapter, verse 19, he, he says basically, the good things I want to do, I don't do. And the evil that I don't want to do, that's what I keep on doing. And as he talks about it, he finally kind of throws up his hands and says, what a wretched man I am. Who will save me from this body of death? Who will re release me? I'm captive to the fact that I just can't do what I want to do, and I keep doing things I don't want to do. I repeat them again and again. Who will rescue me? Well, if you know who I'm talking about, St. Paul, and you know the book of Romans, it is in that book that Paul gives one of the most beautiful and clearest witnesses to the gospel. So when he asks that question in his frustration, because of his ongoing sinfulness, he knows the answer. And he says it in verse 25 of the chapter. He says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ my Lord. Paul knew that God had rescued him. That's what Jesus is talking about to the hometown crowd in Nazareth. He comes into the synagogue and of course they knew him because he had grown up there but they certainly must have known about his reputation now as a preacher and he's handed the scroll. And there's great debate about how that particular passage was picked. Did Jesus 
ask for the scroll of Isaiah and then go to chapter 61. They didn't have chapters, by the way, at that time. Or was that the appointed reading for the day? The reading was Isaiah talking about the Messiah who was going to come. The Messiah who was going to bring freedom for the captives. A lot of the people thought that when the Messiah came, he'd overthrow Rome and they would be free. But that's not at all what he was talking about. And so Jesus reads that passage. And people look at him. What's he going to say? And he stuns the crowd. He says, Isaiah was talking about me. And they didn't really appreciate that answer. That's not what they were looking for. But of course, he goes on to prove that Isaiah was talking about him. He goes to the cross. You see, freedom is never free. It costs, and it costs dearly. When Jesus went to the cross and paid the price for our freedom, he was fulfilling what Isaiah the prophet had said most notably in chapter 53, where it says, all we, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Indeed, thanks be to God who gives us the victory in Jesus Christ our Lord. We see that victory in little ways throughout Scripture as Moses leads those slaves out of Egypt as the exiles in Babylon are brought back as Joseph and Daniel and Jeremiah and Peter and Paul are released from prison that's not what he's talking about it's all pointing ahead to that great release from the prisons of our sins that Jesus was talking about, proclaiming freedom from our masters of sin, Satan, the fear of death, from the worries, from the sins that plague us. As we, like St. Paul, can sometimes begin to despair, wretched person that I am, but like St. Paul, we know, thanks be to God, 
through Jesus Christ our Lord. So how do you say that in seven words? Took me 15 minutes. <laughs> Jesus frees us from all our prisons. But I would like you to make that more personal. Jesus frees me from. And what is your particular prison? What is it that gets you discouraged, that gets you down, that's holding you captive? Make it personal. Jesus frees us, of course, from our prisons, from our sin, from death. But what is it that you really need to see him freeing you from? Of course, this is just one way of saying the gospel. There are so many ways. Keep working on making your own personal statement, one that you can share, because that's what freedom in Jesus Christ means. That means we have the freedom to live and love and to share, and how important that is. There are people in all of our lives who are still living in captivity, Our message about Jesus can bring them freedom. In Hebrews chapter 12, the writer says, one of the things that I think is just so important for all of us, and that is simply, fix your eyes on Jesus. Reflect on all that he has done for you. And share that. There's so many who need to know. In Jesus' name, amen. So the here in practice questions are, are, are just that. What I was asking in, in the message itself was, how would you personalize that statement? And it may be something that you don't even want to share with anybody. But how would you personalize that? And then at the beginning, Sarah said, you know, what comes to mind when you think of freedom? I would add to that and say, what comes to mind when you think of the freedom that Jesus has won for you? What comes to mind when you think of freedom in Jesus Christ? Ponder those. God bless you.